Lafondra looking to get close side of Vaughn. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls preview show. Supported by Phantom Bruco. Well, it's been another positive week. Ah, it's quite enjoyable being a Reading fan at the moment. I mean, let's forget all the off-the-field stuff. Uh, that hopefully, magically, will improve its stuff at one point. Star a statement about their developments there, which we'll come on to in a moment. But I've been joined by Alex Everson this week, as James is unavailable. He's probably just living up the dream somewhere. Somewhere, I don't know, where do you reckon he is? New York or something, Alex? I'm going to go with Australia, New Zealand, maybe Japan, Brazil. You know, somewhere exotic, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's probably in Bangkok right now as we're um, uh, recording this. Gone to have a nice 50p beer somewhere on the beach. (laughs) Probably. 30 degrees. Jimmy Anshaw living the dream. So, quiet day is off the pitch. But on the pitch, we're getting a lovely bit of momentum now, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's, what, two losses in 11? And only three losses since mid-November. So, it's, yeah, there's a lot of momentum now on the pitch. And the club's, or the, the, club, the squad has improved a lot uh, off the field, certainly, um, in the training sessions that they must have been doing. So that you can see the plan now every week of what they're trying to do. And it doesn't always work in terms of how we look and how we play. But they are grinding out results. And one of the things that, obviously, people say about teams when they are near the top of the table is, oh, one of the marks of a good team is to you know, win when we're not playing well. And they're definitely doing that, I think, at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, totally. I don't think think they're playing fantastic every single week, but their consistency is there now. I think they're about a seven or an eight of what they can get out of that squad realistically every single week. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, we're not seeing the best performances ever. Um, Certainly, like, the last two away games haven't been you know, amazing performances. I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to remember them up there in, in a few years' time as some of the greatest results in Reading history or anything. However, they are playing well enough to get the results. Um, there's, there's definitely more which they can get out of that squad um, if, if things go well. But I think, yeah, 7-8 is probably a fair reflection of where they're at at the minute. They're, they're doing well. They're not perfect but they've certainly improved a lot from, from where they were yeah i mean for a good period of the season say the first 15 games or so they were probably three or four out of ten every week at I max was it would have been generous yeah season. <laughs> so it is a, a big improvement and if you look over the last 15 games we would actually be ninth in the league over that which i would say is a fair amount of time now because that's a th- almost that's a, third. a third of a season. So yeah, it's a third of a season, isn't it? Fifteen games. It's like I think that's a fair amount of time to, you know, start judging a side on. Uh, and uh, I don't know where we would be if you if you looked at what twenty three games, which would include a little bit of that, you know, poor run at the start of the season. I don't know where we would be, but that's half a season. Then if you look back twenty three games, you can't imagine that we're anywhere lower than like fourteenth in that kind of table and. It feels like that's maybe where we are in terms of as a team. We're not a top, you know, top six side in League One, but we're, we're certainly not really a, a relegation type team either. I don't think over the, you know, over the course of a long 
period of games, I feel like we've got enough to kind of justify saying that we should be a mid-table team now in League One. Hopefully yeah. by the end of the season we will be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at all the teams above us, there's so many now that we can actually catch, which is a, a huge bonus. It's not just the ones just above the relegation zone, which we're not in now, which is uh, fantastic. Long way to go. Let's not get too giddy, but we'll take it. Now, now we move on to off-the-field action and start put out a little bit of a weekly update because they have meetings now with Nigel Howe. Um, few of the positives we've all been here for quite a long time so i i always realize what you're all thinking we're all going to believe it when we see it and i'm in that group as well but this is what they said so uh so i'll move it in the right direction nearer to exclusivity but not there yet mr die has been centered with all offers and feels positive about at least one of them Nigel Howe is working hard to ensure that any successful bidder can not only buy the club, but fund it properly going forward. I think um, all sounds relatively sensible. We have to go in this with extreme caution, don't we? Not not towards um, Star. I'm talking about just selling the club. It's just been such a long process, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Star, our message is here, right? That's it. Um... And the fact that we're getting any kind of update at this point is it's an improvement on where we were before Christmas, where you know everything was kind of just based on rumours and hearsay from what people would say. At least there's some kind of official communication coming out from somewhere, even if it's not, you know, direct from the club itself and it's going through Star. It's it's better than it was that communication, which I think is good. Um, as you say, I think the the process of the sale is slow. It's a you know whatever the, whatever the price will be 25, 30 million pounds. It is a multi million pound sale, ultimately. And these things do take time, which I guess us as football fans don't necessarily appreciate the fact that you know if you're buying a club, it's not a quick process. You, you're not going to rush into it. You're not going to rush into spending thirty million pounds on a on an asset which is presumably going to lose you six million pounds next year straight away like there's not many people out there who are going to jump straight into that with two feet so even the bidders who are interested are going to take their time aren't they? they're not going to just jump into it straight away without being absolutely sure that that's what they want to do yeah i mean obviously those figures that we've just put out there alex it's just all speculation isn't it oh yeah I'm just yeah. guessing off of like what we've heard over the, over the last six months or so but yeah yeah, so obviously off the back of that, Saturday we'll see the first of the three stages of protest events for sale before we die. Tell us more about the one on Saturday against Charlton Athletic, Alex, because yes, it's ground base. We're all going to be, you know, I'm sure there's a mixed reaction from some of the fans on how it's going to go and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's so there's, there's a, I guess, a concerted effort now to um, put more pressure on Dai Young because obviously. The wider footballing community are quite aware of the situation with Reading, I think, at this point. You know, the tennis ball protests, the uh, fake money at Eastleigh, the pitch invasion, the march. There's been a number of big moments within the kind of self before die campaign, I think, which have pushed, a, pushed the knowledge up around the community, around the footballing community. People know what it's about. People who understand what the situation is at Reading at this point. So it's it's not a case of like looking for, you know, a fan of 
Bolton to understand what's going on at this point. It's more how can Reading fans put pressure on Dayong and basically one of the ways to do that is make him lose face and one of the things that has been I guess pushed and one of the things that has been um recommended to us is is actually you know trying to embarrass him and trying to humiliate him is is something that is going to get under his skin um so calling him a clown you know in business in life is something that is is not going to go down very well with him his business partners etc um so people are being kind of encouraged to pick up a face mask or print a face mask off of the self toy dye website and you know get themselves a clown wig i think fun and products are doing a discount still um in tylers like if you're taking your season tickets so you can get a clown wig very cheaply and and then yeah there'll be kind of follow-up follow-up protests against port Vale, and then there's going to be some some sort of a london trip later on this month as well to hopefully round off the month and fingers crossed by that point there's some potential news on, on where the sale is going as well there's also going to be people giving out clown wigs and it's going to be like face painting everything and that kind of stuff there on saturday isn't there yeah so obviously you know there's going to be um not it's not just the it's not just the thousands of people who want to run on the field who typically let's be honest are people you know in the age of 18 to 30 i'm generalizing here a little bit but hopefully people understand what i'm talking about and uh-huh. actually there is a lot of kids who come to our games as well who you know everybody deserves the right to be able to go and protest and everybody deserves the right to have their voice heard however you know young or old they are not everybody agrees with disrupting a game or, or getting a game abandoned and that's fair enough um but you know the clown protest isn't going to be for you because you don't like it or you think it's weird or embarrassing or whatever then get involved with something else get involved with the red card protest or get involved with the trip to London at the end of the month um there's you know there's ample opportunities to kind of put your voice across and have your say but yeah as you say there's going to be face painters situated somewhere outside the stadium I think Selfoid is going to put that out in terms of where they're going to be located and then handing out kind of a number of wigs and masks to people who want them as well so hopefully there'll be a you know a number of clowns within the crowd on Saturday who would have ever thought we'd be talking about clown masks and face paints on this podcast, Alex? I mean, what uh, point? I don't know. Given, given the finances over the last few years, maybe it's not that surprising. No, no, it isn't. It's a sad state we're in. And hopefully it works out well for everyone. I'll be wearing a wig. Um, yeah. No difference to normal. No, exactly. I dress in my normal outfit. Hey, play the music and laughter. Yeah, I always look like a clown. Yeah. Never good when you have to explain a joke, is it? So let's get back to the on the pitch action. What is your prediction for Saturday, Alex? Uh, I think it'll be a tougher game, perhaps, than people are, are hoping for, because obviously, you know, Charlton are right down there with us, not had a particularly good season. Um, I don't know when they last won a game. It must be months ago at this point. Um but they've got Nathan Jones in charge now. Maybe there's going to be a bit of a new manager back. So I feel like it's a, a win would be absolutely massive. But I also feel like just not losing the game is also really important on Saturday. So, but with that, I'm going to say 2-0 two, two to Reading. 
feel like we've improved a lot defensively recently. What about you, Reckonal? Keep a clean sheet. Oh, I find it hard to believe that we're going to go consecutive matches without conceding. I don't think we've done that this season so far. Obviously, we've had a couple of clean sheets recently, which is uh, lovely to see. I'm going to go 2 1 to Reading, and I'm going to say Sam Smith to, it's not a drought. But a bit of a run without any goals. I still think, as you said on the podcast that you did during the week, Alex, with everyone else about the game at Stevenage, uh, midweek delight, saying that Smith, even despite the fact that he's not scoring, he's still adding a hell of a lot to the team. Let's not, you know, forget that. Yeah, I mean, so, the last two goals we've scored have both been because of him, really. Those two goals yeah. over the last two matches. I think Big Kelv had a little bit to do with the first one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Some some credit yeah. to Calvin as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a little bit harsh not to take it all from him, wouldn't it? Yeah. So thanks for listening to this part. Let's hope we are talking about another Reading FC win on the podcast on Sunday. I'm now going to pass you over to Matt Lansley, who's talking to a Charlton Athletic fan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast, of course, brought to you by Phantom Bruco. Um, we're going to take a dip into the opposition now. Charlton coming to the Medeski or SEL, whatever you want to call it these days. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, a much-changed team from when we last played them. When we last played them, they'd sacked Dean Holden and had Michael Appleton in charge. This time, Michael Appleton has just got the axe and Nathan Jones is the manager. To look into Charlton and kind of what's been going on since we've last played them, I've be, or I'm joined today by Louis from Charlton Live. How are you doing? Hey, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Not too bad, not too bad. Riding a bit of a wave um, after Tuesday night, as you could probably imagine. But, um, but yeah, it's not happened that much this season, but it's nice when it does. Um, Louis, I think there's probably only one place to start. Um, Michael Appleton sacked, obviously, after the weekend. After a 1-0 defeat at home to Derby, there was some very nasty scenes, though, obviously, in, in the crowd and everything. And I think he got booed off, heckled off. What What went wrong for Michael Appleton? at Charlton what what didn't go wrong really um he started off quite well as well as I'm sure you remember the um the like the the game reference there when we beat you 4-0 was quite quite early still in his tenure but he'd had a couple of big home wins when he started but I I think I think one of the main problems that, that also befell Dean as well at the start of the season is 
um, losing some big players through injury. So as soon as as soon as Charlton lose the likes of Chuksaniki uh, mm-hmm. and Miles Leeburn up top, then then other than Alfie May, who was getting a lot of goals, we we actually we actually sort of struggle at that end of the pitch in terms of keeping the ball up. They're a big physical presence. Um, so whilst Michael did start well, that was when when he did have those those options um, that that he that he could utilize either off the bench or, or starting games. So that that was part of it. But then also, you know, even when they were out there, there was still a squad there that you think should have been good enough to to pick up better results than than he did. And it really it really seemed to go downhill relatively quickly after those after those injuries came in. And you know, I think I think we were ten games without a win by the time he he left. Uh, we were twelve without without a win now with, with with Curtis coming in as well in temporary charge. Like there's it it. There's so many issues that Charlton managers haven't been able to fix over the last few years that he also wasn't able to fix. I think mainly the defence. Um, I think at one point a couple of weeks ago, we had the second worst defence in the division. I think we, we've had a, a good couple of weeks in terms of that we've only conceded one goal in our last two ga- in each of our last two games. So that's slowed down a little bit, but we're still, we're still conceding goals for fun. We haven't kept a clean sheet since we last played you in the league, which was back in October. That's 18 games without a clean sheet now. So that, that's a big part of the problem. Um, also with, with Michael, as, as well as the, the on-field stuff, um, unfortunately, he, he wasn't good at, at, at the sort of off-field soft skill stuff and relating with the fans. Um, you know, and it is important to an extent. Like, I'm not one who, you know, if we're winning every week, I wouldn't really care if Michael Appleton was was sort of quite quiet and and you know didn't really react much with the crowd and didn't give away much in interviews and that sort of stuff. But when when Dean Holden got sacked at the start of the year, he actually he'd actually bought himself a little bit of time with some fans, and no one was really calling for his head because he was good at that. And it does bring the fans on board a little bit, and it does maybe help the morale around the club. And but Michael was terrible about it, like um, yeah. I, I got to the extent where I, I generally thought he actively dislikes quite a lot of fans um, doing interviews with him afterwards. Like you'd, you'd ask questions that you know fans are talking about. So Alf, he was playing Alfie May out wide in the four-three-three at times, um, and asking him that question because it's a question that all the fans are asking. You could tell he get frustrated with that sort of thing. Like he, he he obviously didn't want to take other people's views into account for that sort of stuff. So yeah, that 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 was part of it. But obviously the, the results on the field meant his his role was completely untenable. He couldn't couldn't get a, a, anything out of the defence. He couldn't stop conceding late goals, which is for me when it happens over and over again is a bit of a you know a question about game management and mentality that he's put into his squad. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of the time, he, he didn't seem to be able to change things that much in games as well. I remember the, the second last game at Burton. Um, we won nil down at half time and never should have been. Like we gave away a sloppy goal, but actually we were well on top. And then conceded another sloppy goal to start the second half. And then the rest of the game, we just never looked like getting back into it. And he came into the interview after and could say why he thought it was going wrong. I was like, well, why couldn't you change that on the field of play as well? So you do wonder if even the players were listening to him by the end of it. So it was it was an experiment that went horribly wrong and really should have been put out of his misery a bit a bit before he was. Um, and yeah, the the last game at home where we conceded a, a last minute goal against Northampton and, and lost three two was was really the culmination of a really sour couple of days where Michael was having questions about his future in the press conferences. It was really quite uncomfortable and he had become like a massive hate figure. You know, I know you guys have got one one of your own at the moment. I'm not saying it's on that level, but for for a football manager to be that hated by the supporters, I haven't seen that for a long time. And so yeah it, 
he should have gone probably a few weeks before he did. Yeah, no, I can I can remember a few Reading FC managers that that went that way. Yap Stam, Paul Lintz kind of come to mind that things turn pretty toxic um, under them towards towards the end of their tenure. Um, I mean, Reading FC fans are well aware and kind of accustomed to last minute losses and kind of dropping points in the last minute. But I mean, you look at that run of that last run of ten games, really, where where Appleton was in charge. I think it's six games you lost points in i think it's the 85th plus minute you mentioned um northampton that was 97 minute loss um right at the end bristol rovers was a 94th minute loss oxford an 85th minute loss and then cambridge 2-0 up 87th 96th minute goals burton 91st minute um equalizer in the reverse leg at your place and port vale three times you had the lead and then obviously conceded in the 92nd minute to to then um eventually draw that game you talk about things happening again and again and again but to have six games out of ten which kind of go that way it's almost inexcusable i guess by that last point yeah i mean it it it, it just just, you got really weird like surely Mm. that that there there are elements of game management that people need to understand so we so obviously we, we lost to derby over the weekend um and uh, you know I, I don't know how how your games with Derby have gone this season, but that was the first time we faced them, and they are industrial industrial like to to put it kindly, yeah. like they they do all the gamesmanship and all that, and yeah. you know our fans were moaning. I so say I'm not being funny, but if we had a bit of that, a little bit of that now, so even half of what they had, then we wouldn't have kept dropping those those points. So you know either side of of Christmas and New Year that we kept doing late on, and yeah, I mean it, it's loads of questions about. How how the, the sides see the games out, the sort of character within them, you know, the run, running those extra yards for for the manager when when it's late on and it, and you're tired, um, and he, or, or even like I say, just knowing knowing how 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 to actually do that and being drilled and organised by your manager and just none of that was happening. Um, you know, you, you see, you know, talking purely from a football sense, you see teams get sucked in into like a death spiral that can be really hard to shake themselves out of and that's what we find ourselves in now um which is why obviously with the new manager coming in saturday which i'm, would, would, I'm sure we'll talk about shortly nathan like has if nothing else you know and he's, he's had spells where this hasn't worked for him at other clubs but he's had spells where it has worked he, he's got this sort of energy and, and this drive that you think hopefully that's surely going to get some sort of reaction from them saturday and and yeah you'd expect them to be running through brick walls for, for him considering the type of character he appears to be. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of Charlton fans very excited to see how that all plays out on Saturday. Yeah. Well, kind of just last piece on Michael Appleton, obviously worked at Oxford United, worked at um, Lincoln city for him. Hasn't worked at Blackpool. Hasn't worked at you guys and other clubs. It'd be interesting to see where his managerial career goes but that's enough of Michael Appleton let's look to fresh new beginnings now for you Nathan Jones um I mean for a league one team it's got to be seen as quite a coup um uh right to, to to get him I know Reading were were linked with him in the summer um as well and kind of I think many Reading fans were looking at it and thinking oh if we could get Mike um if we could get Nathan Jones here brilliant appointment you know um worked wonders at Luton Hasn't maybe worked at Stoke City and Southampton, probably external factors potentially involved in both those. Obviously, Stoke were in pretty much free for all when he when he joined them and Southampton, as we kind of know from Ruben Sellers' time there. I mean, that was just a, a disaster waiting to happen, really. Um, 
what's the feeling around Nathan coming in? You've talked about excitement. What are you expecting from from Nathan Jones? Yeah, it's it, it's it'll be part partly one thing that has worked in his favour is that he worked with us for about a season, maybe t- eleven years ago, with our youth team, and he won he won a a title with them as well. So he sort of got back in. He's got he's got quite a few people around the club who are then who were there then and who are still around now who who are singing his praises, which is always obviously a very good start for him. But yeah, you're, you're hoping that he's not going to be sort of like a, because you know, we, we've gone through, I think, I think, I think Nathan's our sixth manager in, in three years now. Obviously again, loads of clubs know about this sort of stuff. Now it, ha- it happens to too many of us and, you know, we go through ridiculous spells, but we we deep down I really I really want him to be the man who comes in and repeats the job that he did at Luton which was an amazing long-term build um you know you, you take take into an account what happened elsewhere um and and I will you know I you try kind of hope what the the reason it didn't work at those other clubs is because of those external factors you know and again we've had plenty of managers come through us who haven't been able to make it work because there's too much mess behind the scenes and or there has been over the years and, and you know there's still a lot of tidying up that needs needs doing obviously at the same time you can look at a Luton that he left twice and both times he left they were fine without him and you can look at that one or two ways well is the club set up really well uh, or if you listen to to the interview he gave to Sky sort of after the Southampton job he was he, when he was getting ready for his new challenge he sort of spoke about how you know, he felt he he was the one who helped to lay the groundwork for that. So you could look at it either way, and hopefully it will be the fact that that Nathan actually was playing a big part in putting those foundations together for for the success that Luton had and have continued to have. So yeah, that's what I want long term. I, I want him to come in and and just start afresh with Charlton and, and rebuild us from the bottom up because there's still there's still so much to do. You know, we've got these new owners that came in in the summer, and uh, it, they have to admit it's been a bad start. You know the the summer window, even if they came in halfway, left us woefully short in terms of um, quality in the squad. I don't think the January window's gone particularly well either. Um, we haven't seen any major improvement. Even the players that you sign and you think on paper they're going to be great, like Freddie Ladapo's done nothing yet, which sort of, sort of makes no sense to me because we're signing these players who have done it at this level before. Macaulay Gillespie's got promoted from this level uh, with Plymouth as a defender, but he's no one's come in and made and made an impact yet. So I'm still slightly concerned that we've left ourselves a little bit short in terms of the squad. But, you know, Nathan, Nathan just got to stay up this year. So obviously there is massive short-term incentive for him and us that he has to win games immediately, ideally starting Saturday, because, you know, it's it's a long time since we've actually picked up three points, which is remarkable. We have to go all the way back to the end of October, I think it was, when, or November when we beat Cheltenham. So it's 12 games without a win now. So that that has to end. But also just get through these these last two, three months of the season, then concentrate properly on turning us into the next Luton Town and, and build sustainably. And, you know, hopefully we're still learning about these owners. I think the fact they've gone out and gotten Nathan Jones is obviously a big tick for them they still got to follow follow up what they can in terms of getting the recruitment right, which hopefully Nathan will play a part in as well now because it hasn't been great before then. Um, and, and there's rumours, well, there's stories that the American sort of, the distant American owners become more involved recently. So hopefully they'll they'll be able to knock into shape some of the, the issues that have still, still been around the business and the, the way the club has been run, you know, that's been going back for years and years, to be fair, be- before these guys came in. 
Yeah. Well, you you spoke of that that Cheltenham game, your last win. That's the 28th of November, um, just over three months since Charlton last won a game. One player, though, that was very crucial and is kind of a staple, really, in League One. Big coup for Charlton in the summer when you got him was Alfie May. Um, second highest goal scorer, obviously, in the division, um, alongside Jamie Reid and behind Devontae Cole of Barnsley. What what does what does Alfie May bring to bring to Charlton? Obviously, apart from the obvious, which is goals. Yeah, he's only scored one in his last eight or nine as well. So he's he's on he's on a little bit of a a dry patch at the moment. But even then, like he brings he brings leadership qualities. Like he's a great talker on the on the pitch to the extent that quite during the end of Appleton's reign, quite a few people heard him arguing with Michael Appleton about tactics sort of on, on near the touchline as well, which was quite interesting or, or certainly giving feedback, if not arguing. Um, he brings energy, you know, and, and I've sort of mentioned like how he's been playing out wide at times under, under Appleton. So I, I, I wasn't one who thought that was as bad as other people made out. It was because he, he has the ability to drift inside, but um, yeah, he, he brings that. He, he 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 does tend to take his chances when he gets them. Obviously, like I said, we we haven't we sort of dried up our goal our goal scoring chances over the last few weeks. You know, partly because we've sold Corey Blackett Taylor to Derby, which at the time I, I was a little bit nervous about. I was like, okay, because no one else really creates a great deal for us. But then I thought maybe Ledapo's coming in; he can create stuff for himself. You know, we've brought in Connor Coventry in midfield, who's deep line. You think he's going to create stuff? But neither of those two have massively hit the ground running yet. So I'm still hoping they will be able to do that at some point and start to bring Alfie back into games because yeah, when, when he's in front of goal, when he gets his chances, you expect him to take them. Um, and I, I feel like they've been few and far between those chances recently, but you know, at, at this level, he, he scores goals um, yeah. and for us and, and, and he's never, he's never given up or anything like that. He's, he's, ne- he's never shirked, which we've had players who've done that over the years as well. So yeah, he, he's been a, f- a fantastic acquisition for us and, um, you know, considering his age, he plays like someone who's about five years younger as well in terms of the energy. Well, player you mentioned there, obviously sold to Derby, Corey Blackett-Taylor. Um, he He's obviously still your second highest goal scorer, obviously, this season with eight goals, six assists. Um, is that going to be a big miss, obviously, for the for the, for the the rest of the season? It might be stating the obvious a bit, but when you've lost your your, your top, or well, your, I think it was your top assister and mm-hmm. second highest goal scorer, um, it leaves a big big void there I guess and and really your next top goal scorers are on three goals um I think it's uh Carnu and uh Lee, uh Burn for mm. for you guys who who are then on three goals is goals coming from the rest of the squad an issue maybe yeah certainly um I mean Miles Leeburn's out injured anyway for the rest of the season um which which is obviously a problem Carnu's just signed a new contract today which is good news he's sort of like a young young and up and coming striker we had to recall him from from alone with south end but he has he has clearly matured this season and grown grown into his body a little bit a little bit more strength but um he 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 would be an option off the bench um but yeah like i say i i think i i think actually where whereas as the season's gone on up until the last few weeks i mean we've been amongst the highest goal scorers um, but that has just dried up the last two weeks. So like Derby on Saturday, we didn't really create much at all. Although, like I said, that was against a Derby side who were camped on the edge of their own their own 18-yard box. Blackpool, uh, the week before, we, we scored from a bit of a lucky deflection and then had a couple of chances towards the end, but overall didn't create a great deal. Um, yeah, I, I do think our chance creation has dried up a little bit, especially since Corey's gone. So he will, he will be a massive miss for us. And you're just looking at how who who you expect to step up and 
we, we've sort of changed shape a little bit ourselves. We've gone to a back three recently with, with wing backs. Um, and I don't think our wing backs are good enough to create chances for us. Um, Tyo Eden, Tene Watson, we've just brought in a couple of sort of uh, wide defensive players, uh, including Kane, Rams- Kane Ramsey from Harrogate, who on paper we've told is one, one, one of the better right backs, right wing backs in, in League Two this season with Harrogate. So, We've literally only seen five, ten minutes of him and he hasn't had a chance to do anything yet. So hopefully he will help he will aid that because if we are going to start getting chances into into Ladapo and, and to May, you feel that's where it's gonna come from. Um like I say, we haven't seen enough in, in the midfield from that for me. Like George Dobson tends to sit deep when he's fit, because uh, he missed out last week. Connor Coventry sits deep as well. So again, they're not quite connecting with the front two over the last few weeks. So I am concerned about that, but you know, someone's got to start to step up to the plate. I'm hoping it'll be Freddie to create his own chances. But yeah, Corey going is a massive loss for us and possibly bigger than than we realised. I, I, I did think it was a gamble to let him go considering where we were in the table. And it's just got a lot worse since we have sold him. So may, maybe that money we've got for him and now the fact that we're not creating chances might come back to bite us in the backside. But he was, in, he was out of contract at the end of the season. So they had a decision to make. I'm just worried that they might have, might have, in hindsight, made the wrong one here. Yeah, no, well, fingers fingers crossed. Obviously, it's uh, not as big a miss as it might seem for you guys for the rest of the season. Um, any other players to pick out, really, to to keep an eye on? I know, obviously, George Dobson for you guys has been almost pivotal in the middle of the field, played pretty much every minute of the season. I think the only game or minutes he's missed, I think, was a few minutes at Exeter where he was subbed off. Um, any Anyone else, really, to, to pick out? <laughs> I was just looking at our last our last couple of lineups, and to be honest, there's, gen- there's generally no one in there. Like I said, oh, you know what, he's playing really well at the moment. Um, mm. Possibly Tyreek Backinson. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go out and say he's played really well. What he does bring is a little bit of energy, a little bit of carrying the ball forward into the midfield, which, which again we have been lacking. But there's, there's not been a single moment that Tyreek's been involved in. Where I've gone, oh, brilliant! He's effectively set up a goal out of nothing there. So, um, let, let's get it straight. We're not we're not playing well at the moment. You know, like the mm-hmm. the, the run we're on is is massively concerning. I think even the hangover from from Michael leaving is going to take a few weeks to shake off. And, and like I say, like Nathan, he's done this before. He went into a Luton side that were on the way down in League Two and kept him up that season. He obviously got something out of them in that second half of that season before getting getting them into the playoffs the next year and then promoted the year after. So. He he has to he has to sort of liven them up a little bit, but yeah, honestly, looking at our squad list, there's there's players in there that on their day you think yeah he could do something, but at the moment no one's playing massively well, yeah. so I generally can't add many more to that list for you. <laughs> well, let's let, let's just hope um, the Reading centre backs can mark Alfie May out the game and uh, restrict Ladapo because um, yeah, but to be honest, anything might happen with, with a new manager in charge. There are, of course, three Reading FC uh, or ex-Reading FC players playing for Charlton at the moment. Um, Tyrell Thomas, remember him, played about two, three games for us. He's currently at Charlton, I think playing centre-back currently for you guys, um, or has done the last last few weeks. Ty, um, Tenai Watson, um, right back or right wing back, and also Michael Hector. I think he's dropped out of the team of late, though, or since early January. So I'm yeah, not sure. Injured, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. So it's likely to see Thomas and Tenai Watson for, for, for those on Reading FC or ex-Reading FC player watch this weekend. Um, Louis, this weekend, obviously away from home, very much similar story to Reading, really. 
abysmal away from home, I think, is probably one of the best ways to, to, to put it. One win for you away from home. I think it was Wigan away on the 31st of October was your last away win. Um, seven draws in that, or seven draws as well, six losses. Um, what 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 are, what's your hopes going to be going to going to the Madstad this weekend? Everyone's building building it up massively for us. So we've sold out our away and we're taking three thousand. Obviously, it's not a massive long mm-hmm. trip, but we don't we don't tend to do that outside of London much. So um, that that's going to be great because when when we get a, a sold out away end, that's going to be great. Nathan Jones is going to bring some energy and some passion and, and something for the fans to get behind minimum. So people are building this up as this this is going to be the start of the turnaround. Um, so I'm, I, I, I can feel it to an extent as well. I can feel us going, going, going there and getting something. So I, I, I think we might nick it two one. Comeback starts here. <laughs> the 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 Nathan Jones revolution is on. Um, well, Reading FC obviously in great form, coming off a great win in the week. Um, I said on your podcast that you could probably pick a result out out of the hat. To be honest, it's new manager bounce. Whether you believe it or not, it often ends up um, obviously throwing up spurious results. Um, if we get a draw, I think I'll be content. Um, I might go with you though, and and just go the other way. Go for a two-one home win um, potentially. That that might be the first time I think I've actually pre- predicted a win on this podcast for quite some time. That's not a good sign. I might have just completely no. jinxed Reading SC there. Um, edit, well, predictions don't matter, as we know. They're completely pointless. <laughs> but That's Louis... the power of a midweek win, isn't it? You win, a, you yes. win on Tuesday oh. and you think, right, we're winning, it. we're winning every game now for the rest of the season. It's the fickleness of football fans, and and <laughs> I'm not. I, I I'm not even going to say that I'm not fickle because I am. Um, when it comes to comes to football, people that know me will kind of um, know and be able to associate me with that anyway. Um, so Louis, thank you very much though for joining us today. Um, best of luck, obviously, for the rest of the season. Um, and you guys, hopefully, you can pull pull yourself out of that relegation scrap. Hopefully, not at the expense of Reading, but we will we'll have to wait and see um, for that. Are you, you going to be at the game at the weekend? Actually, yeah, as well? yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. I'll be in the press box. I'm yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good game. Brilliant. Well, safe trip down and everything. Best of luck for the rest of the season. And thank you, everybody, obviously, for listening. If you have enjoyed it, be sure to give us a five-star rating on your podcast of choice. Really does help us in podcast rankings and everything. Keep an eye on our socials. Go give them a follow. Keep up to date with all the latest Sound Park Royals um, content and Reading FC content. We will be back. Um, reviewing the Charlton game on Sunday. So until then, I've been Matt Lansing and this has been the Unpark Rules Preview Podcast. Catch you on the next one.